Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What are you talking about? I didn't even feel it. You were saying things out loud that I don't think you knew you were saying out loud. I was feeling it. <laughs> I was so high. I was so high. That infused dinner sent us to outer space. Well, it sent me to outer space. I truly, I be, the, <laughs> the beauty of a dinner with new friends mm -hmm. is I feel like it's a safe place to just be yourself eat great food, meet new people, and then go home, close your eyes, and have things bubble up and not realize you're saying things out loud that you're saying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was at one point when I was just watching something on TV and totally feeling like super toasty roasty, but I knew that you were a step further along in that journey of our infused dinner, like occupying your brain, because all of a sudden you just went bing, bing, bing. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? And you were like, nothing, just processing some things. And I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> cool. I remember that. <laughs> Yeah. I remember going bing, 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 because mm -hmm. I had, I, I don't want to talk about the thought, but I was absolutely in the throes of a hearty dose of infused food, mm -hmm. having a real psychedelic experience. Yeah. And a lot of bubbles came to the surface of that fucking nucleus, you know? <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Like that's, I mean, you know, fundamentally like one of the best experiences to like have that like letting go while you're like, you know, kind of tripping really. I was tripping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so tripping on weed dinner. So I'd like to start over. Uh -huh. I, I was I was feeling it <laughs> so much. Um, and when after the infused dinner, I, I like we're walking back to the hotel, and I knew it was time for me to take off anything that felt too heavy, including socks, <laughs> and crawl into bed mm -hmm. and pull the covers up tight around me and lay face down on a pillow so that I could only breathe out the sides of my mouth. Okay. And as soon as I did that and closed my eyes, it was almost like, what's the Gordon Levitt movie with Bruce Willis? Um, I don't know. Looper. Looper. <laughs> thank you. For, for, thank you, producer Mark. Looper. Because I, as soon as I closed my eyes, it went and I like popped into this like crazy psychedelic dream. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And then, then, and you, um, you decided to keep going. Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, yeah, we should like maybe set up everything that we're talking about for people who are listening because this was a whole adventure that we're going to get into. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? So fucking good. I'm so excited for this episode. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy, cannabis, culture, cooking, calling shit out, and Ketchikan, Alaska. And fucking Ketchikan, Alaska. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite places with some of my favorite people in my short time on this earth. Yeah. I it, And we're going to hear from some of them in this app. We sat down with Eric and Heather from the Stony Moose, which is why we were up there. But up top, just got to say, Tommy Marsh, thank you so much for making this happen. Tommy is a friend of mine from years ago, um, Alaska Friends, and she runs a boat and she's a fucking badass. And she also has gotten into making um, kelp products. And she had partnered with Eric from the Stony Moose on making a kelp CBD brownie. 
And she reached out and she was like, yo, this seems like a weed and grub uh, episode. You should come up to Ketchikan. And so she made it happen. And thank you so much, Tommy, because I hope that was the first of many visits. It, it has to be. Incredible. I need to go back during salmon spawning season. Mm-hmm. I need to go back during um, other seasons. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have a really different experience if we go back in the summer because being in Ketchikan in March when there is no real tourist culture happening is really amazing. Like we were just welcomed by the locals, had such a good time, got shouted at on the street by someone who recognized us after your comedy show. Oh, let's get into that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about Kim in a bit. So we have some pics that we're going to throw up on the screen behind us um, if you're watching our YouTube. And we've also um, got an interview portion of this where we've got Eric and Heather on to to chat about everything. But we're just going to like, I think- Killian and Killian, <laughs> yes, and we're gonna just I think and Baron. I think Baron makes an appearance as well on the probably interview. Barks in the background. Yeah, um, we are just gonna like chat through our adventures in uh, Ketchikan before getting to our interview portion. Like starting with the fact that we got to tour the Stony Moose Dispensary, Farm, and Kitchen. Yeah, um, I feel like we were the Anthony Bourdain of weed and grub (laughs) on this trip. Like I truly felt like I was like, oh my God, I'm in a no reservations episode for the cannabis community. Like this is fucking magical. What a good feeling. Magical. Wait, we have to go back. We didn't talk about while I was in outer space, how you stayed on the earth. Oh, that's right. Well, I um, was on the way back to the inn at the creek, which is where we stayed. There's a place uh, like a little bar and there was a band called uh, the Ratfish Wranglers that was playing and they're headed up by an old friend of my sister's. His name's Ray Troll and he's a, you know, a celebrity in Ketchikan. He's got, you know, an incredible... um, a storied art career and everything and he heads up this band and so you were like floating like your toes dragging along the concrete back to like do your face plant and then be a looper and I was like I'm gonna go see the Ratfish Wranglers play got into that bar immediately decided that it was not the place for me to be uh because I was basically holding up the wall (laughs) (laughs) so then I came back and um hung out with you while you said bing bing binged and you know well, did I, your thing. And I, I also then like ate another 10 milligram oatmeal cookie and had my own whole fucking nice unwinding experience. I opened one eye at one moment to see what you were watching mm-hmm. and you were watching Twins. Yes, that's which right. Which is such a great stoner movie. It was a perfect, it was exactly what I needed and I'd never seen it. Oh, you'd never seen Twins? No. Oh, fantastic, Mary <laughs> it Jane. It was all new to me. Danny DeVito is a fucking Looney Tunes character in that movie. Yeah. His facial expressions where he goes, hmm, like everything about that is such a perfect stoned comedy. Yeah. And it made me really wish that Arnold Schwarzenegger had never entered politics. Right. And just stayed doing that kind of stuff. Man, kindergarten cop. Fucking A. What What were you thinking, Arnold? Power. Why did you need to go into politics? Power. <laughs> me and Chris Pratt, VP and P. Oh, God, right? He's, Chris Pratt is following that, um, that exact roadmap isn't he like, gavin newsom is going to be our president after uh-huh. biden right um no arnold, way really arnold will be welcomed into his cabinet as secretary of war or something oh, crazy okay um pratt will be in the mix you know some kind I think of pratt's like, a republican so is so is arnold oh yeah that's true i guess i don't know what i'm talking about All, anyone in power is a secret republican you know what people in alaska don't even give a fuck about politics even kamala <laughs> is yeah you're right let's move on this is exactly what we shouldn't be talking yeah, about exactly my, my bad my i mean bad. well i do feel like people in alaska might give a fuck about politics but they, i feel like they don't talk about it because there's just so much else going on yeah yeah moving on okay moving on <laughs> wait should we get to some pictures yeah, before we get to this can, interview producer mark can you throw up some pics on our mark when i say bing 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 oh 
Hey! Okay, that's a good place to start. That was at the Stony Moose Dispensary. That's me in a <laughs> moose costume doing a little dance with Bear and the dog flipping out because all of a sudden he's like, why is this giant plushie come to life? Yeah. I would, um, if I was a dog, that would scare me. <laughs> it was. So we first up, we went to the dispensary Friday morning. We were greeted with uh, gift bags, including this hoodie that you're wearing. Actually, can I see those joints? I'm oh, a yeah. light one. Absolutely. Like gorgeous gift bags full of product cookies and moose milk which is they're infused they have strawberry and chocolate and beautiful flour and all sorts of cool stuff and then um, I got to put on the stony moose outfit and do a little dance and it was very hot in there and I almost passed out <laughs> <laughs> and then they took us then John met us yeah the cultivator who grows all of the flour John oh and wait Stacey. maybe we have more pictures bing 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 oh bing 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 mark perfect oh okay all right the paladin yes which is Eric's boat yep um, when you listen to today's interview, I, I'll just give like broad brush strokes. Is that okay? Sure. Like, um, in addition to being an amazing human being and, um, being the creator of Stony Moose and inviting us into his fucking homeland with open arms, he also has a ship called the Paladin. A boat. A, what's the difference between a boat and a ship? I'm just only correcting you because I know Eric is going to listen to this and it's, uh, a, a boat versus a ship, I think, is size-related. Oh, that makes sense. But this sense. is a commercial fishing vessel or boat that no one would call a ship on the seas. Sorry. Great to learn. <laughs> I don't mind if I don't mind learning things. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, technically I can tell you it's F slash V Paladin because it's a fishing vessel, and if it's not a fishing vessel, it would be MV for motor vessel, and that's the extent of my knowledge about boats. Everyone in Ketchikan just came in their pants. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So like. Uh, and so um, in addition to growing amazing weed, um, he walks on the bottom of the ocean collecting sea cucumbers. And he tells in this interview we have today some incredible kind of harrowing but exciting adventurous tales that have to do with this paladin bow right here, especially that anchor if mm -hmm. you're watching YouTube. So um, stay tuned for that. But as a reference point, this is the shipping vessel, boat vessel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. You can't stand it. You want to correct me so bad. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm squeeze my thighs together. Um, bing, 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 Mark. <laughs> oh, I like that, but maybe we have to stop. So this is after the dispensary visit on Friday morning, John came and scooped us up to take us by boat to the Stony Moose Farm, which is on an island across from Ketchikan, only accessible at high tide. And um, so we had to catch the tide and we tied up at the dock and then walked up the dock to get to the farm. But the people who work there, if they're arriving not at high tide, they actually have to tie up to the dock and then row a dinghy in. Like, that's a hell of a commute. It's a hell of a commute. And if we can do... Oh, okay. Wait, quick. Mark says, boat is any water vessel. A ship is large. <laughs> what does it say at the bottom? Ocean faring watercraft. Okay. Okay. So a boat has Got sails it. and engines. Or a ship has sails and engines. Sails and engines. But okay. there are also sailboats. So, anyway. Hey, We're if, good. if you hated last week's episode where we debated balconies versus fire escapes, you're also going to hate oh. this week's episode where we debate the ship versus boat conundrum. Yo, man, listen, let's, yeah, truly. Although I, quick update, we did hear from our friend Jordan Wanamaker that um, she had rented an Airbnb in New York that was described as having a balcony and she, she screenshotted the actual Airbnb description. Maybe we'll put it on Instagram with this whole thing about the shared balcony, but don't use the stairs that go to the roof. And then when she got to the Airbnb, she was like, uh, it was a fire escape. Boom. <laughs> So you are 100% absolved. I'm sorry for making fun of you. <laughs> Can I see that later? Please? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, don't, I don't want to go on too fast from this because in the interview, we do dig deep into 
like how the Stony Moose Farm was created and mm -hmm. how we get there. But this is that moment where it's eight in the morning. I'm usually, and I didn't tell anyone this at the time because I didn't want to be that person, but I'm a seasick guy. I have a very sensitive, topsy-turvy tummy when it comes to being on the waves. Um, and smoking a joint of some Stony Moose at 8.30 in the morning, not a seasick in sight. I felt great. Mm -hmm. It was cool, crisp air. We had to slow down because there was a whale bubble next to us. Yeah. Um, which I, which we didn't see the whale, but I guess you call that a, a footprint. A footprint. Yeah. It was, we just missed a humpback. John called to us and he was like, hey, whale off the starboard bow. And when we looked, you could just see that big still part of the water where the whale had just gone down. But that was part of the morning commute to go to work at the Stony Moose Farm. It's like, oh, just a whale. Just a whale. Just a whale on the Sorry, way to work. Sorry, a little fucking morning well on his commute yeah just yeah he's on his way to work that's mm -hmm. great gotta and go so get like, some krill <laughs> the cool thing about this for me was i truly was like sitting on the edge of this boat mm. with these great people a dog named baron and you smoking a joint and going from the place or the city of ketchikan to this unknown untouched man-made dock where you can only get there at high tide to get to the farm. And then you can only like, and if you miss high tide, you got to row that dinghy in. You got to row that dinghy in. Mm -hmm. And they do that seven days a week to grow so much great weed. Yeah. And um, I, I, I'm, I might be repeating myself for the interview coming up, but I'd much rather reiterate it than wax over it because it truly was an Anthony Bourdain moment for me where I felt like I'm, I'm living in the world and I'm tapped into something bigger than myself. And yeah. it was really special. That's really cool. I think, you know, they know that they have something really special. And uh, they were so fucking generous to share the whole thing with us because it, it really does feel like magic. When, you know, you pull up on an island and Bear and the dog leaps off onto the dock and we go up into this like snowy landscape and get ushered into this beautiful grow. Fucking magic. Fucking magic. Truly. And they're growing so much great. I mean. We talk about it in the interview too, but they're growing a bunch of different strains all in 15 gallon living soil pots, all biodynamic, all hand watered and all under LED lights. So it's super sustainable. And John and Stacey are like master cultivators. They've got it so incredibly dialed in for this tiny operation. It's just them and then two people who are helping them with the harvest and the trim. And then one recipe creator. And one recipe creator. Yeah. It's That's a really it. small, mighty team. And they're just, yeah, it was so fucking cool. So it was like, yeah, we got to see the whole operation, the clones in the veg room and um, two different grow rooms at different stages. And they just brought down 30 pounds that they were trimming upstairs when we went into the trim room with um, Devo and Danny. Yeah. It was like really cool to see. And um, I don't know. I'm just like endlessly, like whenever anything is terrible in the world, I just think of moments like that and people like that where you're like, well... But that's also happening, and that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Oh, so, that's the first um, room, right? Yeah, this is the grow one of the grow rooms. Mm -hmm. um, so the cool thing is this place used to be, so it's a house, and it used to be something completely different. I can't remember what. And they truly just gutted and built from the ground up um, I feel like own. it was a consulate of some kind. Like it belonged to like the Lebanese consul or something. Oh, interesting. Wasn't it? Am I making that up? That's I don't. Who cares dream. if you're making it up? I'm, I, that's okay. Authoritatively, it belonged to the Lebanese consul. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And bef and then, so, <laughs> uh, and this is also some of the healthiest plants I've ever seen in my life. They're happy, they're healthy, healthy. The the way that um, they talk about growing, like the way Stacy talks about it in this very scientific way, mm -hmm. and the way John talks about it in this very like- Loving. Loving, emotional yeah. way. And the com combination of that creates nothing but a green canopy that you can't see the end of. And they have a bunch of different cultivars and they're playing a bunch of different music to them. I guess uh, we were told that one room had responded really well to NPR and that another room had not done so well with the classic rock station because that kept cycling around to wham and evidently the plants weren't, weren't having it. <laughs> they hate wham? <laughs> they don't like George Michael, I guess. I don't know. Um, That's very funny. I can see how that would be annoying, you know. Yeah. For sure. Right? Um, so we saw all of the grow rooms. I think maybe, Mark, do we have another picture of the... Um, the, yeah, there's the um, other grow room and you can see that they've got a different spectrum of light on there and the fat cola is just poking up through this whole, they're using a, um, I think it's called Scrog screen of green system. Um, and yeah, everything hand watered in these beautiful soil pots. And it's like they're using the whole thing, beneficial insects, meow, meow, the whole stuff. So on that beneficial insect tip and seasonal tip, something that I learned was, um, in, so they got some soil that was kind of bunk. Yeah. And it ended up sending this whole uh, room into an infestation at one point. Yeah. And instead of using a bunch of chemicals, you know, pulling all the plants out, spraying everything down, they did a bunch of research, found a beetle that eats those bugs, used that beetle, and now they have their own insect antibody farm system wow. at, at the farm. So instead of using, you know, DDT or any of that stuff. Right. They're not spraying Roundup on anything. Yeah. No, they just found like a cycle of life that mm -hmm. makes sense That's so in the food cool. chain yeah. and uh, and handled that shit. And so, and on top of that, because we were there at this sweet spot in Ketchikan where the um, the rain had stopped, the snow had stopped, like it was pretty snow instead of horrible snow yeah. um, and all those things, the way that they do seasons and sunrise, sunset. They've really dialed in this beautiful cycle for these lights where it'll be like 12 on, 12 off for the light. Mm -hmm. They can change it based on the season outside to like really just like dial in um, whatever the plants need before they stress them out to grow the buds. Okay. So it was it. really fucking cool. That's Did awesome. that make sense? I don't know. I got confused that you were talking about us being there at a time when it wasn't snowing like crazy and oh, what that I, had to do with inside the grow room. And so, I just totally... So this like is really good weed. It's called the Stony Moose. <laughs> we are smoking Gravina lemonade. Yes. Oh, Gravina is the island that the Stony Moose farm is on. Yeah. So shout out Gravina. <laughs> so the words that I forgot yes. in that sentence yeah. was um, it's hard to do outdoor okay. in Alaska. <laughs> gotcha. Indoor. Yes. Any season in Alaska, you can dial in and find the happy the happiness meter for each plant. Right. Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. That's the thing about indoor growing is you just control all the factors. Right. And it's not dependent on what it's doing outside at all. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and it was just cool for to hear John talk about like, you know, in, in the in the dead of winter, we've got to get over here and do the job. But mm -hmm. like the plants don't know. That right. it's negative 10 outside. Sure. You and know, I, I also really fall. loved, he, yeah, I also really loved listening to him talk about light spectrums because they are using all LEDs. And so um, it was neat to hear him talk about like how they're using, uh, you know, like more of the red spectrum in the morning to sort of emulate the sunrise and then, you know, change the spectrum of lighting through the day instead of just having like a high pressure sodium lamp, which is just one spectrum all the time. And uh, certainly I'm not equipped to authoritatively speak about that, but it was very cool to hear John like really talk about like different colors and what, look at them. They're so beautiful washed in this rosy glow, these plants here. Yeah. So yeah, 
it was fucking cool. And then uh, we got on a boat again and we left. Yeah. Actually, this is a great place before we get into some of the fun-filled, crazy adventures we went on. We should do news very quickly oh, yeah. before we get into uh, the second half of this intro. That is a great spot to do our news. Yeah. The Grublet Gazette is uh, just... Um, remembering Dr. Raphael Meshulam, who passed away in uh, Israel at the age of 92. Dr. Raphael Meshulam was obviously, you know, the most famous cannabis researcher in the world, and he is often regarded as the father of THC. He's the one who um, first identified um, tetrahydrocannabinol. Nice. In 1963, such a mouthful, tetrahydrocannabinol. Um, and he also studied the structure of CBD and just was, you know, instrumental in um, identifying the endocannabinoid system. He's the reason that we have the medical marijuana movement and the cannabis industry that we have today. He's our Isaac Newton. He's our Albert Einstein. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So RIP, Dr. Mishulam, he was... Um, until his final days, he was the president of the Hebrew University's multi multidisciplinary center for cannabinoid research, which is the biggest cannabis research center in Israel. And he was doing, you know, fundamental scientific research up until his last days. And, you know, so just hats off. Hats off. And uh, next time you light up, blow a little ring out for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That THC that's in your stream. Yep. Well, we call it THC <laughs> thanks to him. Yeah. He gave it a name. Yeah. Awesome. Great news. Great news. Let's um, get to some crazy shit. Yeah. So we we next rode the boat back across uh, the strait, back to Ketchikan, and then we visited the Stony Moose Kitchen where we met Andrew, yep. who uh, comes from the East Coast, has a ton of freaking awesome knowledge about- He has an amazing barbecue sauce. I'm yeah. just going to like, yo, yes, love <laughs> the East Coast, blah, blah, blah. That barbecue sauce was banging. Yeah. he. I don't think they're calling it dank sauce, but it was dank sauce. It was dank sauce. Yeah. And we should also say, just we were there with Eric, uh, who's the founder of the Stony Moose, and Heather, who's the COO, um, and came on board, I think, a couple years ago now. And went real hard with us. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you, Heather. And you'll hear from both of them with our interview, but um, we- we chatted with Andrew at the kitchen. He was, uh, I think when we got there, he was making like the whole day's recipe for what he was going to bake. And we got to look at like all of their extractions and their gummies and everything. And then this, my favorite part was when Eric cracked open that freezer and got out the ice water hash that they've refined into a beautiful, perfect fairy dust that they're going to start infusing pre-rolls with. Yeah. And blunts, I think. The cool thing about that too, especially because Heather... Uh, is a culinary grad from Johnson Wales, uh, which is premier, premier. Mm -hmm. Like all I could picture was the way they would be using different like chinois, uh, you know, different things to yeah. get different size bubble hash all the way down to that fairy dust you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my that's gosh. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really cool kitchen tour. And that is also where we met Kathy who works with the Stony Moose. And we later found out that Kathy's Eric's mom. And we found that out after I hit on her at oh. my comedy show. <laughs> You this, did? Yeah, this is a nice moment for me to say, hey, that tape's probably not going to be dropping anytime soon. Uh, but we, what happened? Yeah, okay, well, we got to get to your comedy show too. But yeah, anyway, we rounded out that day with basically hanging out of the kitchen. We went for a beautiful snowy walk at Potlatch Park, which was just adjacent to where the Stony Moose Kitchen is, and looked at totem poles. And I think that's next. Oh, yeah. Bing, Can bing, you bing? throw up that pick mark? Um, Oh, there's us in the grow looking happy and bathed in rosy light. Thank you so much. Oh, before we move on from this, oh. this is actually a Look great- Look how happy we are. <laughs> well, this is a great time for you to bust out your Tupperware. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So um, if you're wondering how we got all of this weed back to LA, we Teleported. don't know. Yeah. yeah we have we no loopered idea. it um, <laughs> to get back. And as we were going on this tour, John continued to hand us big, beautiful nugs um, and- 
because we didn't have a bag, we didn't expect any such a generous gift. Mary Jane takes out a blue medical glove that you would just use for anything sanitary yep. and just starts filling it with weed. And <laughs> I don't want to say what the overhead bin on Alaskan Airlines smelled like from that <laughs> medical glove, but I'm also not not saying that it didn't not possibly smell really nice in that overhead bin from a medical glove filled with bud. I mean, I just cracked this open when we came into the studio today and our friend Liz smelled it and she was like, there's so much going on in there. What are there like six strains? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole uh, little Tupperware full of uh, different flower. There's mimosa, orange punch, I think. Gravino, Runts muffin. Runts muffin, uh, Gravino lemonade. Um, yeah, it's just a delicious little Tupperware that I feel very fortunate to have. And um, look at us so happy in that grow. Just... Uh, Living the dream, Mike. Yeah, living the fucking dream. So, um, Bing, 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 Bing. Yeah, next pick. Thank you so much. Oh, there, I'm holding. Oh, there's some, her bag. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> those are the gloves that I stuffed the uh, flower into after holding it. And uh, next pick, please, Mark. I was a. I, I'll just you know I'll be open and honest. I was a little bit wary of taking this trip because I am working to record my album here on the 30th at the Hollywood Improv. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can leave for almost a week and not do stand-up. And you were like, fuck that. I am getting you a stand-up show in Ketchikan, Alaska. And you talk to them, you book the Alaskan Crab Company. <laughs> we put up an Eventbrite two days before the event came and like 60 people showed up for this party free, or the, for this free party. Mm -hmm. um, you did like 10 minutes of stories talking about your time as an Alaskan fishing boat uh, deckhand and cook. I did stand up. We met Kim, who we'll get to in a moment. Mm -hmm. I hit on Eric's mom accidentally. <laughs> it, it was a magical, fun time. It was so much fun. Thank you to everyone who came out uh, on short notice and like filled up the room and had a bunch of drinks. And yeah, it was just a cool hang. I don't remember you. hit. I don't know how I missed you hitting on um, Kathy, but what did you say to her? Um, it was my joke about... Um, it was either a joke about whiskey dick oh. or um, or something because somebody said the word anal oh at my one God. point. That's right. Oh, the anal was really funny because then uh, Heather's friend's son was at the show, Mason, who I think was 10. Yes. And then Heather got a text from her friend after the show that was like, Mason wants to know more about anal. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Mason's mom. I think her name's Cameo. Um, sorry about that. It was... Um, <laughs> not a show for kids i guess but also so glad he came so glad he came um it was such a fun night and then we kind of tied one on it was freaking great like we smoked a joint outside and walked to uh the potlatch bar mm -hmm. famous uh sailor bar and we had uh drinks and karaoke should i pull no up? please god don't please don't i tr i will throw up if you play that you don't want me to play you singing white rabbit mm -mm. at three in the morning i don't you played it before we started recording and i truly almost passed out it's not for like post moment consumption <laughs> mark just yelled and we're back he I'm might slide that baby in. It in here oh my god <laughs> i mean listen white rabbit is an all-time karaoke favorite of mine because it just builds and builds and builds until you're screaming it's it's perfect you had the whole crowd singing with you and i'd like to uh give you some props because i didn't know what the potlatch was after the show uh, we close that place down and then we're like, we're going to the potlatch. And if there's anywhere that you want to sing White Rabbit at three <laughs> in the morning, tying one on it a lot in Alaska, it's at the potlatch. It, yeah, it felt pretty like uh, right on. I was like, we're in exactly the right place at exactly the right time with the 
perfect people. Because it's a sailor bar, mm-hmm. right? Like it's where people it's come where back. where the fishermen go and hang out. Yeah, for sure. And fucking. It's like on the dock basically of the marina where um, the paladin is tied up. Yeah, it's yeah. a legendary place. It was real fun. So I hope that like people like Tommy when they listen to this are proud of you <laughs> for singing your heart out at at the potlatch. I mean, like, let's go for round two, man. I want to go back up and sing karaoke again in uh, the summer. Go catch some salmon. You know, the weird thing is about Alaska too. What? Um, I wasn't hung over once. Oh my God. That's such a valid thing to talk about because same. Right? Same. I smoked. I mushroomed. Yep. I drank. Mm-hmm. I ate. Mm-hmm. I walked and I felt fantastic. Is walking like a bad thing to do sometimes? Oh, it was more of a brag, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I smoked and I walked. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, crazy. Um, totally. I don't know if it was related to oddly what I was drinking the whole time. I wanted to have tequila and grapefruit juice was just what my body was telling me was not going to hurt me. And it didn't. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I guess when you're in like a magical land, magical things happen. Magical land with a ton of oxygen in the air. And like truly, I feel like we were just like um, wrapped in the bubble wrap of this great weed that um stony was shared with us so yeah it was pretty fantastic zero hangovers um, i'm also like perfectly high right now but i'm not so high that i don't want to talk to you yeah oh good you know that's what I mean? good yeah. you're not being bing binging i'm not being bing binging um we should kind of get to our interview oh, portion Christ. though and we I'm still like... have to like chat about the dinner and stuff so I know. okay bing bing could you put up the next slide please mark Oh, there's the... That's in at Potlatch Park in front of one of the beautiful um, longhouses. Bing, bing. Yeah. Next. Oh, okay. That was like, you know, just a dumb sunset over a mountain with snow and perfect pink glow. <laughs> Boring. Next, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's Baron the Red, who is an amazing dog. I made friends with Baron and um, I definitely... Love that dog. Yes. And, uh, Eric, and Eric the Red. And Eric the Red. And uh, sitting on his boat, we went out for a boat ride and you drove. I drove my first boat. Cool. I'd never driven a boat before. And I also didn't know that when you hit the accelerator, like you push the handle, don't also push the up-down lever because that raises and lowers the actual motor. Mm-hmm. And so I accelerated while raising the motor oh. out of the water. <laughs> Things went bad quick. And Eric's like, all right, man. So that's like a cool mistake to learn from. And it's like awesome, teachable that, moment. That's a good skipper <laughs> yeah. right there. It's a good captain. Like, okay, great. So you fuck that up and let's do it right and never fuck it up again. Never fuck it up again. Yep. Man. Yeah. So that was, nice. that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, also shout out to his utility kilt. Oh, the utility kilt. So he looks, fucking badass. Dude, he looks badass. He's got a cool knife. Badass yep. motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, bing, bing. Don't mess with him. Okay. The dinner. This is where we started this whole episode, was talking about this feast that Heather prepared, I think, all day Saturday. Look at that, 120 grams. Uh, Jesus we Christ. recorded this interview while Heather was in the kitchen. She came out and sat down with us during the interview, um, and we snacked on some pesto that was infused that started the whole adventure of the day. It was so freaking delicious. And we had that evening after we recorded the whole feast, which was pulled pork infused with the dank sauce. Um, Coleslaw. Two butters. Coleslaw. Two infused compound butters. Right. Yeah. One was honey and one was either basil or lavender or something else. There was an infused uh, jam served with a baked brie and- uh, Green goddess dressing. Green goddess dressing for the veggies. Which is for all these veggies. And- uh, 
it was really funny because there were there was this whole group of friends assembled to enjoy the feast, and Heather and Eric were just standing next to the table, just constantly answering people who were pointing at things and saying, "Is there weed in this?" And they were like, "Yep." <laughs> Is there weed in that? Yep. <laughs> Is there weed in this? No, but it's in the sauce, so yes. <laughs> oh, this is also a really great moment because I do want to talk about how wonderful a celebration this was and how generous they were and how great a time we had, but also how responsible Eric and Heather were when oh, it came goodness. to the beginning of this dinner party, which um, I would like to see in more places like LA when we get to do things like this or anywhere. Like, Take a fucking note from what Eric and Heather did at the top of this party. Yeah. So uh, we all assembled, and as the table was sort of unveiled for us all to dive into, Eric was like, I'm just going to take a minute to talk about THC in edible form. And he gave us a super short, very um, comprehensive look at what THC actually does when it enters your system in edible form. And it was really super knowledgeable and cool, and basically an explanation that it does interact differently with your body. And so an edible high is going to be different than inhaling. And uh, it was fucking awesome. And I think a lot of the folks there were genuinely surprised to learn that. And also just like, a, like it wasn't a caution, but it was like, you know, so just know that you need to do the low and slow and you don't need to keep up with anyone. And this isn't a competition. And uh, yeah, it, it led to great. a responsible fun evening. Yeah. I mean, after eating, you and I got to sit in a smoke circle for like a good hour, I feel like, and just chatted up with uh, Danny. Funniest and man in the world. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, I just felt so mellow, really floated out of there, floated down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Into the, the heart of Ketchikan. Didn't even feel it. Went to a bar and held up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to this interview, I just want to do one more shout out. I mean, obviously, our buds of the week this week are the Stony are Moose. The Stony Moose. Yeah. Um, but I'd also like to give a big shout out to uh, Dion, Matt, Anna. Yes. Who invited us after seeing um, the stand up show. They're creating their own stand up scene in Ketchikan through Phantom Booth Productions. And um, they invite us to this beautiful king salmon dinner at their home with the most gorgeous view I've ever seen of the sunset under the mountains. Uh, the salmon was delicious. The company was fantastic. And it was just such a kind welcome for us. And I, um, I, I just want more comedy to go to Ketchikan. And for that to happen, it's so important to shout out Phantom Booth Productions and everyone who's behind it because, uh, man, there's no better place to do comedy and meet good people. Yeah, it was freaking awesome. Dion uh, reposted your comedy show on his channels. And oh, I think, and Bonnie, sorry. Shout yeah, out. I'm just, it's all coming back. Yeah, Dion and Bonnie and uh, Matt and Anna, mm -hmm. thank you so much. And um, yeah, check out Phantom Booth Productions. Dion boosted our signal and got some people out to the show. And uh, like, it was truly just because Heather and uh, Dion like got people out that we had that audience and it was pretty freaking incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, just the, the whole welcome, we got to talk about Kim before we wrap too. Yes. Okay. So our buzz of the week are his Stony Moose, Phantom Booth Productions and Kim. Uh-huh. I love you, Kim. I love you so much. <laughs> Kim was our incredible bartender. We were hooked up with the space for the comedy show through Annabelle's Keg House. Um, shout out, Mike. Thank you so much for letting us use your space. And he sent Kim over to bartend. Kim was just such a trip. So funny. The next day, we were walking down the street and she rolled down her window. She was driving past us and she was like, hey, you guys, make me a sandwich. <laughs> I was like, whoa, just got a, a drive-by shout out. That was amazing. And then we went in to see her and sit down at the bar at Annabelle's and she showed off her fucking 
spider collection? She's like, do you want to see a bunch of pictures of my tarantulas? She has six or seven species of enormous dinner plate sized spiders. She's got like a bird eater and a Mexican fire legs and a whole bunch That's of stuff. That's the one where she's like, I opened the cage and it moved so fast it sunk its fangs into my finger. Yeah. And I was like, how big are the fangs? And she was like, like an inch. Like an inch. <laughs> she was like, it just moved forward. And she, I was like, oh, so you really like spiders? And she was like, I fucking hate them. <laughs> but she just fell in love with these spiders in particular. And she has this incredible collection and they all live in their various glass cases in a closet full of giant spiders. And she was just so delighted to show them off. And she was so funny. Uh, yeah, I just, we just had such a good time with everyone up there. It rocks. We have one more picture to get to. Well, it ties, it, it leads directly into our interview. There's the crew. There's the crew. Heather, Eric, and Killian, who pops in at the end of our interview. Um, Killian is Eric's son and he was hanging out, uh, while we were recording. So we and from him. And he, I mean, he, he shouts out his Instagram yeah. handle, but also he was on the front page of the Ketchikan News because he's such an incredible skater and snowboarder. And it's this sick picture. We'll put it on our Instagram at Weed and Grub of him um, f snowboarding, I think, over whatever those, you know, those like highway barriers that kind mm -hmm. of like sit on the wall. Yeah. And he's just like fucking snowboarding off of that thing. What a badass dude. Catching massive air. It was fucking, yeah, rad. It's a, yeah. Whole, it's a whole family affair. Um yeah, they all shout out their handles at the end of the app. It was just such an incredible time. And I don't know, I think we've we've said uh, enough for you to all to understand that if you ever have an opportunity to go to Ketchikan, stop by the Stony, Stony Moose. It's absolutely freaking incredible. And their weed is great. And um, and they're tucked down this like cool little boardwalk location in the heart of the sort of like old district of Ketchikan. It's just like it feels like the perfect sort of entry into that world when you walk down the the side and you turn the corner and it's on this creek and yeah it's just beautiful it is beautiful uh, can i share one more story yes this Please. is a longie everyone but it's I worth know. it i'm sorry but like if we got to do this in more places and bring the kind of like education entertainment and like information about places like this all over the country then i will feel like i'm doing something positive and good with my life mm -hmm. i also want to share a little bit of ketchikan history i learned because where the stony moose is it's that row where when the sailors used to come to port that's where all the bars were. That's all where all of the uh, uh, escorts were. Like it was the, uh, the, the hot spot. The, the brothels. The brothels. Yeah. yeah. And I also learned because of uh, the inn we stayed at, the Creek Inn, um, they had a Ketchikan book. And I read about a man named Bill Mitchell in the 1950s or 60s, mm -hmm. who was the, the lieutenant of the volunteer Ketchikan Fire Department. Now, during that time, all of these fires kept popping up. And they were all done by this woman. Oh. And he was always the first person on the scene. Excuse me. So that, like, and so the uh, volunteer fire department started to get suspicious. And they're like, why is Bill Mitchell always the first person on the scene whenever this church goes in blaze or this hospital? Like, it's, it's so weird. But also, he's our lieutenant. So maybe he just loves his job. Turns out it was him in drag oh being an arsonist and wow. lighting these places on fire taking the drag off and then trying to save the day so that he could climb the ranks of the volunteer fire department now he flees because they know it's him he puts on the drag hops on a plane flies to seattle because it's a short hop skip and a jump away the fbi is looking for a man in drag for a separate case at the time in seattle they nab bill mitchell He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, we've got the wrong guy. The FBI lets him go. The Ketchikan police put out an APB saying this man has probably fled. The FBI sees the APB in Seattle, goes, holy shit, we just grabbed that guy. 
rearrests Bill Mitchell, uh-huh. sends him back to Ketchikan, where he's prosecuted and sentenced to jail. So Ketchikan has a cross-dressing <laughs> arsonist in its history that I just like love that story so much. Well, you should write the screenplay because that sounds like a fucking good story to follow. Man. Yeah. It was great. That's so. some wild adventure times. <laughs> anyway, thank you for letting me squeeze that in before the interview. Absolutely. Uh, we have a great uh, chat with Eric and Heather pops in from the kitchen for a little bit as well. And um, again, follow them at the Stony Moose AK. Um, and also check out uh, Tomi, our friend who set all of this up. Tomi's doing really cool stuff, and we'll drop some links to her, um, all of her ventures in the show notes. But she's got an incredible cookbook called Fishes and Dishes that she wrote with her sister Keo, who is a good friend of ours in the pod. And uh, if you want to check out some great recipes from commercial fisherwomen in Alaska, uh, get yourself a copy. It was all over the place when we were in Ketchikan. It was like in every window. I was like, oh, yeah. So fucking, fucking cool. cool. So... Without further ado, here's our interview with Eric and Heather from the Stony Moose. Thank you so much for saying that about the, you know, good vibes, because this has been such a good weekend. And I feel like I have absorbed so much goodness from your entire operation that I do feel like I'm kind of radiating positivity. And that is largely due to the time that we've had with you. So I don't know. Let's just get started with. um, Well, first off, we're at your dining room table in your house in Ketchikan, Alaska. Mm hmm. Um, Surrounded by crystals. Mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. got uh, multiple glass pieces. We've got infused pesto on the table. Uh, it's the, yeah, the spread is right. <laughs> uh, and is that all like just you collecting and traveling and going everywhere all over for your whole life? Um, not for my whole life, actually. Uh, just recently in the past five to seven years have I been really interested in, in accumulating a, a collection um, of, of crystals and of unique objects to art from around the world. Like I've got some really cool masks hanging around here. I'd love to show you this uh, beautiful uh, replica piece of an like prehistoric Olmec mask that I picked up in, in Mexico. It's gorgeous. It's all inlaid with turquoise and obsidian. Really, re- really neat stuff. But yeah, I, I, like, I like cool things, unique things. And um, and plus having all these crystals around really does make this space like cleaner feeling mm-hmm. sparkly. Um, thank you so much for your comments about uh, introing this up too. like you guys have been so much fun to, to hang out with and to show you around Ketchikan. Like I love to show off this beautiful place that we live and and you two have been so, you know, open and and accepting of it. It's been it's been really nice. I'm so excited to get into all of it and like kind of step through everything that we've seen in our time. But I would love to just start off with like some of your origin story because uh, last night we, I was like you were telling me about you know what you studied in school and then how like you you know moved to the West Coast and got into commercial diving. Like you just have such an amazing life and backstory. So can you just sort of give us a, a little bit of like a? I, it all started when I. <laughs> I'll do a sound effect real quick. Okay. <laughs> The way back machine. The way back machine. It all started back in Chicago in the year 1979. <laughs> it was a hot summer, <laughs> one May 26, when when <laughs> Kathleen Killian spread her legs at Children's Memorial Hospital, and out popped a little lad with a shock of red hair on his head, saying, "What's going on here?" Then it was nice and warm. No, um, I was born in Chicago, and it was. You know, I lived there for the first eight years of my life. Um, uh, we moved down to Kankakee. After that, I lived with my dad um, through high school. And um, yeah, surrounded by cornfields. Not necessarily a small town, but not a lot going on either. 
went to college um, as far away <laughs> from home as I could and still stay in the state, Southern Illinois University. So I stayed down there for, oh, you know, the good old seven-year degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a hot five, yeah. yeah. All right. 100%. It's just so much fun. Why would you want to get it done in four, you know? <laughs> yep. So, so um, after, but after a while, um, I got into, a, I did not get into the graduate program that I wanted to. I studied psychology and classical civilizations. So I'm a great storyteller, but, you know, practically useless as far as being a good employee for someone. Not a lot of marketable skills there. You're a thinker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like to be creative and I like to imagine things and, and make them into realities. So anyway, um, I came out to Alaska one summer just to spend a summer uh, commercial fishing. You know, some friends of mine had come up here the summer prior and um, they came back with great stories. And one of them was even still up here. Uh, my friend Jake was here. And, you know, I was like, man, I want to go to Alaska and have an adventure. And so I hopped in the car with a good friend of mine that had been on several other adventures. I spent a couple summers in Yosemite um, in between uh, semesters at school uh, working for the concessionaire. That was beautiful, living in the mountains and hiking around all all the time. It gave me a real appreciation for, for that kind of raw, natural beauty. It's like kind of where I feel at home, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, we came out to Ketchikan, Alaska, uh, drove across the country. It was fantastic. Landed here, and instead of getting a job on a... Um, fishing boat, like a, a salmon fishing boat, I got a job as a cook in the First City Saloon, which, you know, was like the, I like to compare it to like the drain of Ketchikan. Like at the end of the night, everybody filters through the First City Saloon, you know, it's that kind of wild, anything goes atmosphere. And so I was cooking back there. Um, and, you know, I got to see all the cool shows for free, but, and I realized this is not what I came up here for. Uh, so drop that flew over to Prince of Wales Island and uh, got a job as an urchin tender, all right? So I'm standing on the back of a fishing boat in rough seas, um, completely green, surrounded by a sea of corn most of my life, right? And now I'm in the middle of the ocean. And um, there's two guys in the water. They're diving around their various depths. I don't know what's going on down there, to yeah. be honest. But they're sending up, they're bringing up to the boat these giant, huge bags of... Um, spiky sea urchins that weigh a couple hundred pounds a piece and it's your job as a deckhand to get those bags onto the boat and stack them up nice and neatly and not to be impaled by like the thousands of spikes along the way wow yeah and so that started my commercial fishing career um i worked as a commercial uh as a deckhand that year i stayed in alaska uh throughout the summertime and through the winter time and worked with uh the sea cucumber fishery and then i went back to illinois thinking you know back to school meh, meh, you, know? <laughs> mm -hmm. you can never go back I once mean, you've been at the bottom of the sea <laughs> yeah. well you know once you once you leave once you leave your hometown you know time passes things change it's it might be the same but you're a different person and so when when i went back to carbondale when i went back to southern illinois i was like man this doesn't feel right it doesn't fit and then you know one of the most familiar things that i ever had going on there was uh playing rugby and I went back and all of a sudden, like, I was the old guy on the field mm. at the uh, age yeah. of 23. I'm like, oh, my God, like, these are all people that are taking classes and whatnot. And I'm just out here having fun running around. All right. You got to you got to get some traction. And so I came back to Alaska and stayed. Um, yeah. Became a deckhand uh, on another boat, Highline Boat. And that's where I met uh, Tommy Marsh, um, who is a mutual friend of ours and is just a fantastic, amazing person. Mm -hmm. um, she was the Highliner? 
Oh, she, well, she was the tender. She ran the tender, right? And so everybody delivered to Tomi because she, one, she's she's just so kind and nice and will help you out in anything. And two, really the reason is uh, she, the Savage passed out great food. I mean, they had, yes. <laughs> when you deliver to a boat, you get like a little meal with, with your delivery. You offload, they take your catch into town, you get to stay on the grounds and, and you know, they, they feed you a nice dessert and Tommy's an amazing chef. She's got a cookbook. Uh, Fishes and dishes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so, I, you know, hadn't really even thought about that being sort of like, a top priority for to choose who to deliver to is like the tender with like the nicest people and the best food and like they'll they'll do a favor too right like was she bringing mm-hmm. your mail or like you could have a shower on the boat sometimes you know she did so much good stuff and I'll tell you a couple things number one uh, fishermen do think with their bellies and so, <laughs> so that was definitely a thing like we love Tommy because she did make the best food number two she ran an all female crew and so fishermen think with all kinds of things and it was great going to the savage and like seeing everybody just like badass ladies like taking charge of a fishing boat you know yeah um you you did it and and just like wow this is so impressive you know i love being in alaska right now what does it take to be a excellent deckhand Mm. a willingness to to learn and a willingness to adapt and like uh, to the ability to think on your feet like you get into all kinds of crazy situations where um, you might have two divers in the water down at the ends of their air hoses connected to the boat and you're in a crazy windstorm and all of a sudden the anchor starts dragging right so the boat's dragging away attached to your two guys that are down at the bottom and like what do you do in that case do you drive the boat do you do you let out more slack on the anchor do you start to pick them up I mean you have to manage a lot of different different things going on at once and be able to perform triage on the back of the deck what's the most important thing here you know first things first tell the divers boats dragging second thing let out some anchor slack so we get a little bit of time and hopefully it catches again third thing start reeling them in and yeah so you really have to kind of be able to think on your feet like that as yeah. a deckhand can, can you share a, a crazy story of like being like last night I was asking you about uh, if you'd ever seen a shark and you were like I've I've fallen through sharks basically like going down to dive so yeah i would love to hear a story or two about sure i could tell you a story or two um (laughs) i could tell you the time that the the first time i saw sea lions underwater and uh so they were swimming around in circles and i see them out of the corner of my eye i'm diving gooey ducks in this beautiful sandy bed pulling out giant old beautiful clams and i was just oh man this is great and then it's like kind of a horror movie like you see something on the periphery of your vision it's like what was that what was that? You know, look, nothing. Go back to work. And all of a sudden you look up and there's a sea lion about, you know, 20 feet away from you, kind of floating on its back legs. And then all of a sudden you see another shadow, whoom, go behind that sea lion and just disappear. And I'm like, why did that not come out the other side? And all of a sudden it burst. It's straight at me from right behind the other sea lion. So it was like, I couldn't see it coming. And it came over the other sea lion's shoulder and charged me like from me to you closer and then veered off. Um, and that was like, I screamed. I was like, ah, get me out of here. Oh, my God. And so then I'm, they're pulling me in and the sea lions. I'm looking around. I've got my um, nozzle. We've got like a three-foot wand uh, that shoots out high-pressure water. 
on the bottom, and that's how we dig these clams out. A little bit of background there. Yeah. So anyway, I, I had the guys pull me up, and uh, that was that. Yo. I mean, yeah. these are are these like stellar sea lions? The huge, like they, they look are. like grizzly bears, right? Like they're absolutely enormous. If you go to the historical museum and see the skulls of a sea lion compared to a bear, the sea lion skull is bigger than a bear and definitely more vicious. But, you know, that's a fun story. But let me tell you this other story, because we were in the vein of talking about, you know, what happens when the anchor drags, what happens. So I was on the bottom. We were, this was about a year, two years ago. We were fishing up by Juno, and it was like... I'm sorry, a, I just have to interrupt for a second and just ask, are you literally walking on the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, I'm wearing about 80 pounds of lead around my waist. I got another 10, 15 on my harness. So I'm got these big, thick boots on, and so I'm walking on the bottom of the ocean. Fucking wow, okay. And, and you have a, like a lamp so you can see, or is it light enough so you... Most of the time it's light enough, but okay. you will strap a, a flashlight to your head mm -hmm. sometimes, a waterproof flashlight, turn it on. But you know, that kind of whites out your vision a little bit, so you don't want to do that too much. Anyway, so wind switches, I parked the boat. And this By this time, I, I was not a deckhand anymore. I became a diver, worked on somebody else's boat, and then I bought my own commercial fishing boat, and this is like... I've been running that for like eight years now. So this is, I'm kind of, a, I know what I'm doing mm -hmm. at this point. And so I parked the boat with the wind conditions and the tide conditions that were hanging perfectly, fishing this really deep, sh deep, steep bank, like crawling up and down like a 45 degree angle. But then the wind switches and the current changes too. And so the boat turns around and the anchor doesn't hold, pop. And so we're dragging and I could feel this because I felt it before and I'm like, oh my God, it's like, you're a little dog on a leash and you're just getting yanked along, you know, by, by someone pulling you. And so I'm like running down the hill. Oh my God, anchor's dragging, you know, and I see the anchor actually attached. Uh, it's like skipping along the bottom, right? And the chain's going straight up to the boat and it's going downhill. And I know that if I could get to it soon, I could maybe dig it in and maybe catch it on something and then like get up the, up to the boat and whatnot. And uh, so I jump on the anchor, like I'm on it. I'm trying to push it into the ground and it's getting dragged along. <laughs> and it finally, we're coming up on this rock pile and I see it coming. And so you're riding this thing forward. You're going pretty quick. And I see the rock pile and I'm like angling the anchor towards the rock. Come on, come on, come on. Chink, it catches on the rock. Oh, thank <sighs> God. And then all of a sudden the chain, you see it goes tight. And, and then... It just the anchor pops off. Oh shit! Grab it and like just hang on for dear life. And at that point, I started climbing up the anchor chain, trying to get to the surface because, like you know, I got another diver in the water. I'm like, I'm telling uh, our deckhand Daniel, who's a fantastic deckhand, knows what's up for sure. Get Johnny up. Get Johnny. You know, get him to the boat. Like I'm fine. I'm riding the anchor chain and also drive the boat. Don't let us get swept into rocks or yeah. anything oh like my that. Because the boat's flowing down, going with the wind, going with the waves. And um, luckily, the current was pushing us off the rocks when it switched there, or we could have been in some some trouble for sure. So there's a story. Wow. That I just, it just brought to mind. Like, I just want to see that action sequence in a movie about like you know the, the the dive fishery and watch that happen like that's so crazy i it, it must have been the biggest adrenaline rush did you think you were gonna like be severely injured was it like a you know it must I've, have been terrifying it i've been in worse situations but here's the deal you can't let 
that happen you because if you get terrified your heart rate will go up and you'll start breathing heavily and you could over breathe your hose and like suck down too much air and then you really will be a little bit low on air um and so in these situations it's so important to keep your heart rate calm and keep focused and keep like keep your eye on what's going on here and even though it's very strenuous i mean climbing up this up this anchor you know and it's like oh my god there's so much you just got to stay, stay really calm. And, uh, <sighs> yeah, that's a, that's a good skill that I picked up because of, because of diving. Cause it, I mean, you know, you're 80 feet down and you don't have any air. Like, what do you do? Me panic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, like freak the fuck out. There's no way I wouldn't. I, I mean, yo, I went, here's a, just to let you know, I have a great ocean story too. I screamed like a little bitch, man. Like I like I was like there was like manta rays or some kind of rays and we were feeding them and they just kept like the water was real rocky and choppy and we're feeding these things and they kept cutting my legs out from under me. Oh, so yeah. I kept going top over tail in the waves. And so I can't even imagine doing what you're doing cuz I couldn't handle a couple animals that can't even eat me, you know, knocking my <laughs> knees out from under me, you know? Like it, it a real bitch move on my part. Like you're doing some incredible stuff. Hey man, uh, scary, scary. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Well, that that like uh, chill factor, I think, really feeds into like why we were introduced and and ultimately like well the the first reason we came up here, but now we have like 10 million reasons to come back. The Stony Moose, your cannabis company, which uh, well you have so many different pieces of the operation, so. I guess where should we start with that? Like you opened the dispensary first, right? The retail store? Yeah, so the Stony Moose was the first retail store in Ketchikan, Alaska. We opened nice. like was it April 9th, April 10th of 11th, 10th, thank you <laughs> of 2017, um 10 days before 420. And at this time, I mean, this was just a totally new thing for everybody like stores were just starting to open all over the state and and everything that they could get their hands on all the all the flour that they could get is usually gone like some stores sell out in a day and they you know they have to close down for a week so we were terrified that that was going to happen to us um we didn't have enough weed we thought and so we opened for the first day and there was a line out the alley the whole way long. I'm, I should describe the entrance to the Stony Moose. So, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so sick. It's in the historic, uh, beautiful historic uh, Creek Street district of Ketchikan. So this is where all the old brothels were and all the old bars and, the, you know, that kind of stuff going on. And um, people used to smuggle whiskey during Prohibition up through the floorboard. So at high tide, they would drive their little boats up the creek and the whole place is built on pilings. And so there'd be trap doors in the floors of these places and you could pass up, pass up the whiskey or do whatever you know wow. so that's where the store is and so you kind of it's in between two um old old buildings and we're kind of at the end of a little boardwalk so when i say the alley you got to cut off the main street and go down there but it's it's not dark and scary <laughs> no <laughs> no no and then like it backs onto that the beautiful creek with yeah. the mountains behind it like mm -hmm. the backdrops here are just truly insane i feel like i'm you know in some incredible storybook the whole time i'm here i feel like i'm in groundhog day oh in nice. like a beautiful way. In a way. good way. Oh, well, I think Groundhog Day is a beautiful movie, but I truly like just scenically, it, it's all so gorgeous. And then, wait, have you smoked your whole life? Have you always like been into weed? Yeah, you know, I was smoking since I was in high school. Um, I used to smoke before I went to bed at Same. night. Yeah. Probably when I got up in the morning, you know, after <laughs> school. Yeah, so a long time. During dinner, after dinner. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been a long a lifetime smoker, I guess. And so when Alaska went, when when were stores approved in Alaska? I'm not sure when that was. That you were the first license in Ketchikan because that would just happened. 
Yeah, so yeah. We, we got on it and applied for these licenses, um, We and we opened the retail store. Uh, we awesome. got there before before anybody, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun along the way. And can you say a little bit about the shopping experience when you come in? Because I didn't know that, you know, the, the rules here or the laws here in Alaska allow you to smell the bud, see the bud, weigh out the bud at whatever sort of amount you want to purchase, all that kind of stuff. It's so cool because we don't have that in California. Yeah, absolutely. That's called deli style. And so we sell – We I love the interaction with cannabis that people could have. Um, I personally love to smell it. I love to grind it up in my fingers and sniff it and then roll a roll a joint with it, just having that visceral experience and then try hitting that joint. That's my actually my favorite thing. Like if yeah. I didn't have if I don't smoke it, I'm fine at that point because I've like gotten the smell and the flavor and the the reminder of what this beautiful thing is. I, I will smoke it. <laughs> not like, gonna die. Someone can come into the Stony Moose and you can open a jar for them and they can like hold the bud and actually smell what it smells like before they choose to buy it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So different bud for different folks, right? I mm-hmm. mean, every every flower is different. Every flower is unique. Every person is unique. So we all have our own individual biology that we're dealing with. And so we're going to react to different plants in different ways. And so the, the greatest thing about having a deli style is you could hold up, you could let people smell smell three or four or five ten different flowers to find the one that they're dialed in with right so the one that they're going to need in the moment your mimosa gravina uh, mimosa orange punch orange punch or gravina lemonade those are two strains that we have that are fantastic Oof, yeah right up my alley and we got a yeah. stony moose pre-roll pack thank you so much that had both of those strains and also a runt strain and like a, a whole pack so it's mm-hmm. like a sampling it was so great it's just fantastic. so you started as a dispensary and then decided I want to expand operations into every every aspect that I possibly can. So what happened was we spent a ton of money on travel and edibles the first two summers that we were open. And it was like it what that meant was me flying up to Anchorage, you know, 600 800,000 miles away. Yeah. Um, it was We call it the milk run because it, the plane stops at every little city along the way. Yeah. It takes like eight hours to get up to get up there with all the ups and downs and everything like that. Um, so it was a real pain in the butt, but you'd go up there and you'd spend a ton of money. You'd stuff only what you could fit into two carry-on backpacks, like just filling it up there and then get back on the plane and come on back down with, with that. And we, I think the first, that's one summer we spent Sixty to seventy thousand dollars on just transportation on me going back and forth, and and getting deliveries. And so I was like, you know, we need we need to do an edibles. We need to do our own edibles. I mean, mm-hmm. we are right here. We've get we get a million people on the boats that come here, the cruise ships every summer. We should be selling our own brand. You know, we should be like representing ourselves. And so yeah, that was the start of it. Also. Full disclosure, I wanted a lab to play in. I wanted mm-hmm. to like make these really cool things because I'm really into um, plant extractions, tinctures, um, all, mushrooms, like everything that you could put into your body to like hack your biology and make you just work better. I'm really fascinated by it. And I think that cannabis has a great place of like inter- interacting with those different plants. And so I wanted somewhere to play around. And so Stony Moose Kitchens was born really just to make uh, make edibles and, and sell them to the tourists but also to like discover put to push the edge of like what edibles could be you know what we could do with them and not cut corners on your edibles at all 
you know, I it everything that we do is all natural, all organic, and that's incredibly important to me. I don't want to put any kind of preservatives, no red dye, food dyes or anything like that into our food. I don't eat that, you know, and I want to be able to eat anything that we make in in our kitchen and I want to be proud of it and I want to be able to look anybody in the eye and be like, "Yeah, we absolutely do this to the best of our ability. We do the best thing that we can and we're serving up a great product." This actually feels like a great place to bring up Tommy again. Because um, you've got, you've like, you're like Stony Moose is celebrating and lifting every part of Ketchikan and trying to just like make collabs where it all makes sense. So Tomi has, uh, she's really, she's moved on from like everybody's favorite fisherwoman to like everybody's favorite lobbyist. She works with AMSI, uh, which is Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, and ASBE, not AMSI. Um, <laughs> And, and she tries to promote Alaskan seafoods and like a, a sustainable aquaculture, kelp farming and whatnot. And so she's really into kelp farming right now, right? Kelp is the new kale. And it's, it, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, we've got a couple kelp chips right here uh, that you guys tried. They're, they're really Fire. good. We're going to start, start making them, playing around with them in the uh-huh. kitchen. So Tomi wanted to find a way to bring kelp to the mainstream market, right? She wants everybody to know how badass the seaweed stuff is. And so we partnered up with her and to make a kelp brownie. I mean, I remember it was about a year ago, she brought us in this tray of brownies and they were like, she's like, yeah, these are kelp brownies. We want to make these, you know, and bring them to market. And we tasted them and it was like, everybody was like, oh my God, these are <laughs> so good. So flipping good. And so, uh, it, and it's the kelp and the dark chocolate, right? The kelp's got all this like deep umami flavor that just like pairs so well with with the chocolates of the brownies, right? But the challenge was getting, we couldn't, the exact recipe that she brought us wouldn't be a great one for commercial production. And so, you know, we took on the project of developing the recipe, um, trying to figure out different batches, different how to make the best kelp brownie that we could. Uh, went through a ton of iterations, and then it came out with uh, a kelp brownie that we all we all love a lot. And They're how really did you delicious. decide on a CBD infusion versus like a well, THC, or was it sort of to make it to, for a wider market? Sure. Well, we so Stony Moose Kitchens can and does make. Uh, THC infused brownies already uh, mm-hmm. that we make classic pot brownies but those could only be sold at uh, licensed retail stores in Alaska to uh, above 21 people right I mean anybody that could get into a retail store so this is a good time to also shout out one of the most famous dogs of catch again yeah. bear in the red what's up Baron in the background <laughs> yeah bear in the red protecting everyone from uh, people whatever walking animals, by on the street. people walking by <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Baron. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Feel safe. So the so we can't we already do THC and mm-hmm. we sell that already. But Tommy wants to sell in other places. She wants to be in Nordstroms, you know. She wants to be in the Pirates Plunder Store in downtown Seattle. She wants to be in the local shops here in Ketchikan, Alaska, in the grocery stores and whatnot. So we can't do a THC with that. We have to do. Um, CBD, which is a fantastic uh, addition to any kind of chocolate and any brownie, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whoa, it's cool. I feel like we're on the cusp of like a kelp revolution in a way. Hopefully, because it's it's as far as I've seen, every boat I've been on, it's like bountiful. Like it is everywhere. There's a lot of it, and it grows really fast. It's also kind of in trouble in some places. Like I know my my sister was working on a kelp restoration project in the Puget Sound and Washington, like Salish Sea area. So. How, like, how is the kelp doing in Alaska? Um, 
It depends on the year and who you ask, right? I mm-hmm. mean, first of all, kelp's like the, one of the fastest growing plants on the face of the earth. And I say plant, but it's really an algae, right? It's a giant oh. um, algae. So bull kelp can grow upwards of a foot a day with the proper light and sea temperatures. Amazing. So it grows really quickly. Um, you could use it for any number of things. I've harvested all kinds of kelp in my day. Some of my best friends t- took me out harvesting when I first was here. And like we harvested black seaweed, which is like nori. We harvested green stuff, which is sea lettuce, bull kelp for pickles and whatnot. So there's a lot of different kelps out there. A lot of people are making um, all kinds of great products with them with a wild harvest. Our friends uh, over at Forage and Found are doing some fantastic salsas and pasta sauces and just beautiful pickles really really great products can be made with this stuff how is it doing that depends on um what's going on in the ecosystem right so things some things eat kelp urchins eat kelp okay so a while ago when there were no predators not a lot of predators for urchins there was a big urchin population kelp beds were kind of like on the minimal side of things and then a big wave of sea otters came through southeast Alaska and ate all of the urchins. I mean, I'm really abbreviating the story (laughs) for you guys. There's a lot of little events and details. But basically, a wave of otters came through, ate all the urchins, and now the kelp is growing back again very strongly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's got its own conditions, but where the conditions are right for Mm -hmm. it to grow, it will always grow. Whoa. And speaking of growing, the third piece of the stony moose is your farm. Stony Moose Farms. Whoa. I mean, the, the just even getting there was magical because you have to arrive by boat at high tide mm-hmm. because you can only access it at a certain time of day. It was like, it felt like unlocking the mysteries and secrets behind like this very cool operation. I did. I felt like I got like a whistle in Mario and got to teleport. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. No, there's a lot of challenges uh, that come with, <laughs> you know, operating a cultivation in the bush mm-hmm. and with water access. I mean, can you imagine? We have to haul all of our soil over there every time we want to renew our soil because um, we do a living soil grow. Okay, so we'll get all of these different nutrients, all these different ingredients, and we'll basically cook up a brew. John over there, the head cultivator, he's a fantastic guy. And he's been doing this for a long time. And so he knows the recipe on how to create a microbiome in the dirt that these plants are growing in. So you don't have to add any and any chemical fertilizers, any any extra juice. Like everything that the plant wants is already in the soil. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's a really the cleanest way that you could possibly grow. Um, and it's all it's in these soil, in pots, everything is being hand watered all under LED lights, and it feels very sort of like low impact, uh, high output. I don't know what other way to put it. Like when when we saw it, you guys had just brought down a harvest of- The healthiest fucking plants I've ever seen in my life. And just you just harvested 30 pounds with two cultivators, right? Yeah, well, then John and Stacy, they may only be two humans, but they work like seven. Um, they're amazing people. <laughs> I mean, they're from, they've lived in Fairbanks for a long time and it's like rough up there. They've in a dry cabin. So, you know, no, no water. They had to haul their water in, plumbing and whatnot. So they're the hardy folk and mm-hmm. um, they do a fantastic job. I, I think that those plants that we saw yesterday, they are the healthiest plants that I've, I've seen, you know? And I think the feeling when you walk into that room is like serenity you just you walk in and you're surrounded by these beautiful creatures uh, these beautiful plants with this great energy and the, everything's happy what, how did you link with them 
How did that all come together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they were a mutual acquaintance of uh, my old partner, and he knew them from back in the day. So John actually used to tour in a band um, called the Gangly Moose, and they were famous in Alaska. I mean, up and down the coast, and they, they've been down to California and whatnot. It's amazing still the connections that people uh, people reference when we talk about them and talk about John and Stacy. Every People know them from all over the place because they, they rocked the state of Alaska for a long time right awesome he's an amazing musician um and the band was great and so he it was a mutual acquaintance of of my ex-partner down here and he brought him down to to inch, to do what he was doing up in fairbanks because when he wasn't jamming he was growing great outdoor weed mm-hmm. in fairbanks alaska where you have 24 hours of sunshine uh, throughout the summer right and so you could really get some get some amazing plants up there oh uh, it's starting to make sense because the more i got to know john and stacy the more like John said, like, yeah, she's great at science. She's great at numbers. She's great at pH levels. And he has this emotional humanistic approach of approaching the plant where it's like, he's tapped into what they need and like how to provide them everything they do and don't need to be the happiest. And she's like, yeah. And also we should keep track of the numbers and, (laughs) you know, like between the two of them balancing each other. So I can totally see why he'd be a great musician because everything is in flow. Everything is in flux. Everything is like moment to moment. How can we make, the happiest product possible. You know, that's a great observation. Um, I think that, it, you know, a garden does need like the masculine and feminine energy, uh, that, that logic and that creativity, that that feeling that John brings to the table. I mean, the guy's got a heart of gold. He's a bodhisattva. We all talked about his hugs. Right? <laughs> it's a long, real hug. It's a good hug. <laughs> it's great. People, you don't get off the farm without getting a John hug. It's, it's fantastic. And then you've got... Uh... Another two folks working on the farm who we also met who are doing all of the work of like the trimming and like it's a small operation. Dave and Danny, yeah, they're fantastic as well. I mean, they work so hard. You know what these guys have to do to get to work? This is what they have to do. They have to jump in a skiff in the morning, leave the dock here regardless of the weather or whatever, drive across the channel in this open skiff, whatever the weather, again, chop three foot, no big deal, snow, rain, blizzard, hurricane, they're driving. I mean... Maybe not the hurricane, but (laughs) (laughs) draw the line somewhere. But they come across, they tie up the skiff to a buoy that we set up, an anchor system, and then they throw a little inflatable boat into the water that they carry over in the skiff, little eight-foot inflatable, and then they row to shore, drag it up into the woods. That's the access that we have when the tide's not high. Those guys are rock stars. So for all of you listening to this on your morning commute on the subway in New York City, just think about, like, you think your commute's a drag? (laughs) Yo, for real. That's unreal. That's unreal. Yeah. Um, We also have somebody i don't know where oh, oh yeah we yeah. got it we got to get uh, somebody somebody behind another, behind me that maybe could join us for a moment yeah absolutely heather jones um do you want to say some words into the mic yeah heather so, come join us yeah can you set us up give absolutely. heather an intro yeah so heather's the chief operating officer of the company she's like in charge of operations for the stony moose uh which is the retail store stony moose kitchens and stony moose farms like kind of coordinating everything that goes on out there and she's actually uh one of the masterminds behind the class um the kelp brownie that we did with tommy i mean she's coming to the table with like years and years of professional uh experience as a chef and as a coordinator of all sorts of business operations like in charge of every what, what hotel chain was it uh a core hotels that owns like fairmont uh, raffles 
Get in here. Get on the mic with yeah. us. Join us. Join us. Join us. Okay. So Please. fantastic background with operations and business and um, just brings to mind, like uh, brings to the table just like a keen sense of how things should operate, how things should be structured, how to execute plan and, you know, coordinate stuff. So fucking sneaky beast. <laughs> it's been a fun time. I'm just going to check the video real quick. Yeah. Um, also incredible fashion. Great fashion. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Um, thank you for hanging with us. I know you're also in the throes of prepping for a massive banquet tonight. So, yeah, could you share a little bit about what you've done, who you are, how you came here, and like what's going on? Oh, my. Uh, sure. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, um, in the heart of Flint. Did 18 years there and then went to culinary school on the East Coast in my time in college and then went overseas to study some more Um went to culinary school in Singapore and Thailand. And then I started to work for uh, Global Hyatt while I was over there. So then I worked at the Grand Hyatt Singapore and then transferred to start opening hotels as part of their culinary task team. So then I was in um, Abu Dhabi and then opened the uh, Grand Hyatt there as well. Whoa. Also, you were telling a crazy story about how um, how they cook in Thailand and Singapore, like in your culinary schools, using their knee to yeah, control walks, heat. Yeah, that's so There's crazy. There's no knobs like a European stovetop. It's all like one gas line, and it's set to your knee. So like, I'm tall for an Asian, so like I had to like squat and then use the knees, but everyone else was just like standing proper. And yeah, because both your hands are on the walk and the utensil, so you can only have your leg to move the the heat. That's so wild. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> and then, how did you two link? Like, what was what was your introduction story? Um, mutual friend, a good friend of mine. I was coming up to visit. Uh, we met in Seattle, cooking together. And then she's from here originally, and moved back home when she had her son, and ended up actually living with Eric for the first year while she was acclimating back into town. And then I started coming up to visit, and she mentioned that her friend had opened, you know, a pie shop. So, a couple visits while I came up and down and knew about it. It was a great shop, and. When I made the decision to move, leave Seattle, move up here, it was just kind of natural. She said, you know, what do you want to do for work? And I have over, like you mentioned, about over 20 years of food and beverage experience. So just wanted to try something new. And cannabis was the one industry that really interested me, so. And yeah. thank God, because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I came into this uh, as a commercial fisherman from from my boat, the Paladin, and like with no business background whatsoever, no kind of experience at any of this. And the learning curve is steep and it's it's it was a lot of fun. But um, the level of like professionalism and organization and that Heather has brought to the company has been fantastic. So thank goodness. Well, thank you. It's been fun, yeah. It's it's fun facing new challenges and overcoming them, and being able to work with people that you know have the same mindset, like critical thinkers, you know, can, you know, resilient, and just problem solvers. I mean, this seems like a good place to talk about the future of like your business and you know where you see cannabis going in Alaska. Like as we all sort of wait to see what happens at a federal level. You know, we were talking about interstate commerce and how that might not necessarily be a good thing for Alaska cannabis companies. So, yeah, just what do you see your next year, three or five years looking like? Well, what we're up to right now is uh, we're really focused on ourselves. We're, <laughs> which sounds yes. kind of funny, but um, we want to we want to keep on bringing the best stuff that we can to the table while overcoming the challenges of transportation in the state of Alaska. So Stony Moose Farms is growing fantastic living soil cannabis, some of the best stuff that I've ever smoked, and we are taking that. But, 
into the kitchen and we're taking advantage of our vertical structure, right? We're growing the cannabis, we're taking it into our manufacturing facility and we're making it into edibles. We're gummies, chocolates, uh, brownies, cookies, moose milk, which is infused chocolate milk. We've got uh, cold brew lattes that are infused, mm -hmm. delicious, right? And so we're gonna, our next step is going to be to take it into infused smoking products. Well, we saw, I showed you the bubble hash extraction yeah. process. So we're gonna freeze dry bubble hash and start putting our own extracted hash into our own flour blunts and pre-rolls and just kind of take it to launch a new product line in that department. And launch us into outer space. Yes. Yeah, gets you high. Let's really go. Does. Yo, that milk is so exciting because, like, um, who doesn't love cinnamon toast crunch? Who doesn't love a double stuffed Oreo with a dunk? Like, it is fire. Oh, I never thought you could use it for your cereal. You could just have a bowl of cereal with the oh, moose milk. With some moose milk. Ooh. And you're doing savories now because I think we're having a flavor. Uh, barbecue sauce that's infused tonight from your kitchen right yeah absolutely so we've it was always the intention like the cookies and the gummies were kind of just like the foot in the door right i mean that's what people want that's what people are used to but what we really want to do is get into like the next level or like infuse other products you know it doesn't have to be a sweets so right here on the table we've got some infused pesto um the pot pesto that we make at the kitchen it's got me nice and toasty it's so good <laughs> i mean fresh basil fresh grown basil by um my friend uh here in town, Ketchikan Evergreens, Jeff and Jessica, they opened up a hydroponic farm here in Ketchikan and they're doing vertical grow. Um, I've never had lettuce that was better. Uh, and so they grew this basil that we're going to eat right here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's delicious. And then the barbecue sauce, brand new thing. Uh, we're going to put that on that pork butt that I uh, showed you earlier. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, like, maybe it is a little peek behind the curtain. Is it Alex? Who who was in who was spacing out brownie ingredients yesterday? Andrew. Andrew. So it was very cool because while you were giving us that tour, you were also um, working. Like all of you were working while doing it, and like it was very neat to see both of you talking with Andrew about how you wanted the emulsion to go and like what would be best. Is it too spicy? Is it too sweet? And just like really see you like I don't know like taking developing. dabs and developing. Yeah. It was fucking cool. Uh huh. Yeah, Andrew's awesome. We're really happy to have him on the team. He came from the East Coast and he's got a background in food as well and worked in cannabis out there. So, and he's just really great at like kind of putting stuff together, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, all we did was tell him, hey, yeah, I want to launch a barbecue sauce. Here's the ingredients, make something. And he comes <laughs> up with two great sauces that, you know, we combined them taste tested a little bit and that's the greatest part of of the job right i mm -hmm. mean it's taste testing all the things that we're doing mm -hmm. um we walk out of some days it's like man i'm so high right now i don't know i don't know how <laughs> i'm gonna finish this day um, <laughs> but yeah the barbecue sauce i'm super excited about it's it's spicy it's hot it's got a deep rich flavor you just know it's a ginger i mean it is it's and gonna be gochujang really right the yeah I'm so, so proud of you right now. Oh, you said, I it, said right. it right. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm so proud. <laughs> that was such a wonderful way you approached a teachable moment for all of us because we're all throwing around the word Goshu Jang the whole time and we're like, here's an offer and an invitation to learn something. And I really appreciate that, Heather. That was great. Um, well, how do you feel about the landscape of like cannabis in Alaska in general? Like, I know that, you know, this sort of feels like an outpost 
but do you do you feel like you want to expand to other places in in the state or are you just kind of keep doing your thing here craft well, small one of the coolest things um we came like sony moose kitchens came out of the scene i think four years ago now and uh there weren't a lot of manufacturers in the state and so we had our products in a lot of shops around the state i think at one point we had our products on the shelves in over 50 retail shops um, in the state of alaska so wow. it's still definitely our intention to keep on bringing our uh, top quality edibles to to the people of alaska it's challenging getting the product up north where the population centers are but you know we're always working on, on new creative solutions drone to, drops i'm oh, here man. for it it has to happen that'd be fantastic <laughs> Is it, do you know if they're like are drones legal or illegal here there's Which no is... delivery in alaska yet okay yeah we got to talk salad dude because the first walk we did, we were smoking that joint, and I don't remember what I said about salad, and you were like, bro. I make a salad I make a fucking day. salad yeah, every you day. You have a daily salad routine? Again. Wow. Uh, it's because I got the best lettuce in the world. Uh, Ketchikan Evergreens grows the freshest. I mean, I've never tasted it. It's, it's so good. And so I get these lettuce deliveries, right? And you chop up, and I got all this lettuce. I got to work through it. And, you know, I try to be a healthy eater. Mm-hmm. So, you know, throw a bag of evergreens down, fresh, fresh lettuce. Um, chop a bunch of carrots, sure. Radishes, yeah. Cucumbers, yeah. Grape tomatoes, sure. Chop them in half. But the key to these, the key to these good salads is the uh, the additions, the bonus. I put cashews and walnuts in my salad. Oof. Chop up some goat cheese, throw it in there. But and, and you know, finally, you have to make your own dressing. Make your own dressing every day. It's so easy. Smash a garlic. Throw in some balsamic. Put a little little scoop of Dijon in there. A little squirt of maple syrup to cut Jesus the acidity. Christ. Salt, pepper, olive oil. Shake, 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 shake. And then, bam, pre-dress the salad. You toss it. I've got this beautiful wood burl bowl, bowl that I got just for salads. I love seeing it on the table every night. Do you have a TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to watch this. Yeah. Please get it started. That's great. That's Somebody's nice. looking down at their like Chipotle burrito and just being like, oh. Yeah, they're crying yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fire. Wait, you were actually talking about spicy lettuce. Oh man, they grow all sorts of different varieties over at Evergreens, and and they don't they do a lettuce, they do a kale, but they also experiment with these like kind of crazy lettuce lettuce varieties. And like, I, he brought over some that tasted like radishes. Whoa, I mean, it's crazy stuff. Whoa, <laughs> can we talk about what what's happening in the kitchen right now? Like, I know Heather, you've been in the kitchen making yeah. some. We we sampled a little of the pulled pork. Like, what's what are you doing tonight? Uh, we have a bunch of fun things. We're doing um, a baked brie with an infused raspberry jam and then like a little caramelized onion um, underneath the phyllo wrap. So it'll have a little sweet and savory. And then a little crudite with an infused green goddess dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple infused butters with crusty bread. Uh, side of salmon with an infused butter. And then the pulled pork like you mentioned. Roasted vegetables and some rice. Oh my god! And the pulled pork is going to have the the barbecue sauce mm-hmm. that we were tasting yesterday. Yeah, and then infused. the vegetables will have the pesto as well. Oh my god! <laughs> Mike's eyes are do you? They turned into spirals. Yeah, I don't know what I'm. I'm, I'm done. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, where do we? Where are we doing? <laughs> you know, we got weed and grub podcasts. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're yeah, this is why we started this podcast is to have this conversation. Like, mm-hmm. it has happened. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we just like yeah, like we disappear like yeah. a Marvel movie. We just like. <laughs> turned into dust because we had no unfinished business left yeah, in this world it. truly clean. yeah 
It's unbelievable. Um, I, I truly, I just want to say thank you both so much because um, this has been one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And I don't want to ever compare it to anything else because I don't think that'll be fair to any other thing that happens to me. But goddamn, if y'all aren't doing some magical stuff here, that is, um, I don't even want to compare it to anything else or talk shit about LA. Like what you're doing is so unique and original that it's just so cool to be able to see it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you guys so for coming up. Yeah, you know, I gotta I gotta return those props too because it's it's a beautiful thing to show off what we do up here and the lifestyle that we have. And but more important, it's like we're looking at this ball from the inside, right? I mean, we're seeing the trees and not necessarily the forest, but to 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 show off like the company and our locations and what we're what we're up to and what we're all about to you guys and like have see it through your eyes kind of it it just really um it makes me feel great about what we're doing it makes me really like re-energized and like cool thankful this is kind of a utopian like if you were to ask me what i would want legalization to look like i do think that this is it i think it's like a tight-knit group a community that all supports each other using the somebody else's lettuce like basil from somebody's like it is it is utopia. It's a community me. vibe. And I yeah. think, yeah, just to, to add on to that, like it's, you know, the fact that you are growing everything, like you're taking charge of every step of the process in the kitchen and in the at the farm and in the, in the store. It just, it really does feel um, like I feel so well taken care of and buoyed up every time I have anything that you've grown or made. Like I just feel better about my life. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and the other really cool thing is when we got here, everywhere we went, like everyone knew who you both were. Oh, yeah. And that was <laughs> and, also and really Baron cool. Too. And Baron, too. Baron, too. He is yo. so well known. Famous dog. Yes. Famous folks. Famous Stony Moose. And one of the first times I was walking Baron around downtown, I had someone come up like, that's not your dog. It's like, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> I know it's not. Like, they knew the dog, and I was clearly not here. He's been the shop dog for the Stony Moose since. Well, since he came into our lives, and um, man, he's the best animal. He's the best creature. People come back. So we had uh, some folks come up from Florida, and people like to go on these cruises, right? And they they have to come to the same place over and over, see how it is doing, and and just kind of revisit their old memories. And so these folks came twice, uh, year a couple years apart, right? They came pre-COVID, and then they came post-COVID last year. And they're like, "Is Baron still here? Is Baron <laughs> the Red? Oh, there he is!" And so That's they so live. Sweet. It is, it is. They live in the Keys, and there's a shop down there that has a dog that's lived there for years, right? And this dog apparently has its own Instagram uh, Oh, page. my gosh. <laughs> Famous yeah. dog. And I just keep thinking, man, we really need to get one for Baron. I mean... Like, you could do a, a truly dedicated to just salads and Baron and, like... <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the heck is going on at the Stony Moose at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah, document. You know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about cakes. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah, so I, I was recently down in Tucson visiting with my cousin Allie, and we made uh, this beautiful banana coconut cream cake, um, this really dense uh, dense dough with topped with meringue and then baked. And, so, and then you cut it in layers, right? So you got two layers, cake, meringue, and then you make this really nice whipped cream, toasted coconut on there, flop together. Anyway, anyway, phenomenal cake. No, no, take when, your time. Yeah, take your time. Okay, so <laughs> we're, we're not in a What hurry. happens next? All right. <laughs> when you cut into it, what does it look like? <laughs> so let me go back to the building of this cake because when you bake, 
when you bake it, you put that nice peaked, soft peaked meringue on top of it and it turns golden brown. It takes about 15 minutes to, to start to finish here. But at a minute seven, you got to open that oven and put on those coconut shavings so they toast up perfectly Ooh, as well. Yeah. And so when we pulled these cakes out of the oven, I mean, they were gorgeous, golden brown, delicious, coconut shards everywhere. And so you let them cool. And at that point, you start your whipped cream, right? So you get your heavy cream, a little bit of sugar. And um, I think we did some vanilla in there. Mm. Yeah. And a little bit of rum, actually. Oh. So ooh. slice bananas on the whipped cream. Or you make your whipped cream, pillow it in there, a couple layers of bananas. Put the layer on top so you got two layers of cake. So it goes cake, meringue, bananas, cream, toasted coconut, bananas, cake, meringue, more cream. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's the greatest creamed corner we've ever had. That's yeah. our segment where we talk about food that makes us horny. You just <laughs> you just won the all time. I got a towel. <laughs> so, when he said pillow it on top. No oh, pillow. So so <laughs> it was so much fun making a cake with my cousin that um, I just I just want to make a cake every Sunday. I want to like spend a little bit of time doing something intentional and timeless right i don't want to i want to do something that i'm not going to be rushed at Mm -hmm. that i could enjoy thoroughly then i'll have something afterwards to show for it just to just to take space away from like the work day like take your mind off of off of the business which is always going around all around us you know yeah take take about three hours to make a cake i don't know meditation cakes yeah exactly damn we'll put that on the instagram with baron yes and the salad (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. And then a cookbook and it's going to be over and then a show on TV. It's gonna be great. Um, well, as we wrap, could you let everyone know where to find you, what to look for when they come to Ketchikan, anything you're excited about, just shout outs, plugs, Instagram handles, anything you want to leave our listeners with so they know how to like, how to find you and, and learn more about you. Go for it, Heather. I believe pretty sure that our Instagram is the Sto- the stony moose, AK. Saying yes, okay, that yes. is uh-huh. our handle. <laughs> and yeah. that's Stony with EY. Yep. Uh huh. And then our fa- Facebook is the same, the Stony Moose. Mm-hmm. Do you have a personal that you want to shout out, or are you incognito? Mine is locked down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's and I have a very generic name, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Not open for public consumption. Yeah. How about you, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to shout out, um, you know, just everybody that works for the Stony Moose and the Stony Moose Farms and. Sony Moose Kitchens, like it's really all the people that are in the day-to-day operations that make make this business happen. I mean, they're the ones that are doing the thing. Um, so shout out to everybody, everybody in the company, and then also all the other companies in Ketchikan that are like putting forth the effort uh, to bring cannabis to the people. Really good stuff. Um, everybody that's out there in Alaska doing this work in, in the cannabis industry and, you know, going against the grain, going against that tide because it's not easy stuff to do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Freaking awesome. Okay, who do you have, Mike? Uh, I'm also going to shout out uh, Killian who just handed me their phone to shout out your IG, man. Uh, honorary member of the Drain Gang, papa.de.los.tomates. It's Papa de los Tomates. That's Spanish for father of the tomatoes. Great. And if you know, you know. It's kind of one of those things. Okay. I don't know. That's fine. Um, Maybe some of your viewers, listeners out there will know what's on. Absolutely. Oh, yo, there's a cool picture of you with a bunch of fish. Rad. 
right. And well, then, you got one new follower, so <laughs> that's awesome. Everybody go follow this guy's kid. I skate, I fish. <laughs> <laughs> Some good Alaskan entertainment. Hit up the gram. Los Tomates. Heck yes. <laughs> that's so sick. Perfect. And then I, I just want to make sure that we mention Tomi again and all the oh, amazing yeah. work that Tomi's doing and her kelp CBD brownie. And we were supposed to hang out with her, but she got called away because she's a famous marine pilot. So in addition to all of the other stuff she does, um, Tomi, you rock. Thank you for making this happen. Ultimately, like making the intro and bringing us all together. Yeah, absolutely. Tomi's like, again, one of the most fantastic people I've ever met. When I came up here for the first time as a deckhand on this boat, like I cannot say how lucky I am to have met Tomi Marsh and like had her as an example of how to lead a badass life as a fisher person, just like not slow down and do shit all day long to the to a really high standard but the coolest thing is like she didn't do it for like her own self you know she her interest has always been to like help the people around her and to help other folks do do well in their own life and that's that's the real example and that's why she's such a great person yeah leading by example and also I, we got to shout out Keo too her sister Keo mm-hmm. who's a dear friend yeah. and um you know they together put out fishes and dishes which is a cookbook that features recipes from commercial fisherwomen in alaska you, one of the first times we met you made those jade dumplings jade dumplings they have it's an amazing chipino recipe in there it's just like great fresh beautiful um simple recipes uh, so check that book out too. Maybe buy a copy. Have it in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. It'll make you look cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's everywhere. Like we went. It is. It's everywhere in yeah. Ketchikan. It's like on, we went to that great coffee shop where um, we all met for the first time. Yeah, Fifty Five North. Fifty Five North. Yeah, and there it was, like on top of these homemade delicious treats. So fucking man. Um, anyway, I live yeah. here now. So yeah, <laughs> we're buying property. Yeah. We're moving in. If anyone's looking for a place in LA, <laughs> take it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you both. Yeah. This has been awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Let's go have dinner, so right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, thanks, everyone, for listening. This is a pretty special episode. Um, you can find us at Weed and Grub on Instagram, uh, at Mike and Mary Jane on TikTok. Mm-hmm. WG at Weed and Grub is our email. Leave a review on Spotify, Apple iTunes, YouTube, all those things. Also, um, do you all have reviews and things that places where people should leave a review, like Facebook yep. or something like Facebook, that? Google. Yeah, Business okay. Like it that. bumps everything up and it helps so much, especially when it does. people are like, ah, oh, I don't know where the coolest place is to go. You know, help the everyone. The Stony Moose. The Stony Moose. Pop them in the algorithm, y'all. So um, thank you all again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Bye, everyone. Bye.